MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, November 29th, 2021. Today, Bannon is pushing for 1-6 documents related to his case to be released to the public. Michael Flynn is caught saying QAnon is total nonsense. Ali Alexander says he will comply with the 1-6 subpoena because he's broke. And a Missouri paper calls on the Senate to investigate Josh Hawley for his role in the insurrection. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. That pumpkin pie is amazing. <gasps> Thank friend. you. I don't, you know, I'm very proud of it. I'm also a bit of a perfectionist. So if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it the best of my ability. So I was really happy with the way it turned out. It was delicious. I love the little leaves on the, like the little thing. Cut them out freehand. <laughs> nice. And you know what? The Beans listeners were so sweet because I was like, this is my first pie from scratch except the canned pumpkin. And at least 10 people were like, oh, that's still from scratch. Like the canned yes. pumpkin is best to work with. The other stuff is ridiculous. Don't even think about it. I was like, I love you all tremendously. <laughs> very, very supportive community of support. I don't understand how somebody could be unsupportive of pie in general. <laughs> But it looked True. amazing, and and uh, I hope you had a wonderful holiday and 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 happy Hanukkah, my friend. Thank you. Yes, um, for those of you that are listening and you celebrate last night, uh, once you hear this, will have been the first night. So I hope the rest of the holiday is just filled with, as they say, miracles and and light and joy and enjoy it. We get seven more days once you hear this, so seven more nights actually. So enjoy it. Eight crazy nights. Eight crazy yes. nights. <laughs> yes, and such I hope a Hanukkah, great, Harry. So good. visits your home. Later on in the show, I'm going to be talking with Dave Rothkopf. He's the host of Deep State Radio. And his latest for The Daily Beast is about the Department of Justice. He, he quotes me in, in the article and we discuss what uh, he discusses in his in his piece about why it's taking so long for the Department of Justice to drop any indictments or at least indicate that they're investigating, especially since Adam Schiff came out today on the Sunday shows and says that they are not. And that is of concern. And as you know, I am a staunch defender of institutions. But there's a difference, Dana, between, you know, constructive criticism, legitimate criticism, and just all out, you know, Garland is Russian and right. Trump, pay, Trump paid him and he's bought off by the Federalist Society. Like there's a there's a difference. And so we're, we discussed that. So I'm looking forward to that conversation as well. We have a lot of news to get to today from the weekend. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Former Trump White House advisor Stephen K. Bannon is reportedly pushing for documents to be released in his court case on contempt of Congress charges with lawyers indicating he wants to use them in his defense. Bannon has moved to oppose a standard protective order for discovery instated by a district court judge, which prohibits either side in his case from releasing documents publicly. That's according to The Washington Post. And they reported that on Thursday. Quote, members of the public should make their own independent judgment as to whether the U.S. Department of Justice is committed to a just result based upon all the facts. That's a statement on behalf of Bannon given to The Washington Post. In the opposition filed today, Mr. Bannon asked the judge to follow the normal process and allow unfettered access to and use of the documents. Bannon pleaded not guilty to contempt of Congress charges after he refused to comply with the subpoena from the House committee. We know that. And uh, the former top White House strategist was indicted by a federal grand jury earlier this month in the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office after failing to appear 
for an October 14th deposition and then also failing to provide documents. Attorneys representing the government in Bannon's district court case have said there are, quote, less than 20 documents that need to be provided, but Bannon's legal team has argued there are more that it would need to locate. Quote, the government offered no reason why it wanted to limit Mr. Bannon's attorney in their use of the documents to prepare a defense. But you still get the documents. You just can't release them to the public. Dumbass. <laughs> After being indicted, Bannon stopped in front of the federal courthouse and said this case was going to be the misdemeanor from hell for Democrats and those who have sought to investigate and prosecute him. Quote, not just Trump people and not just conservatives, every progressive, every liberal in this country that likes freedom of speech and liberty should be fighting for this case. That's why I'm here today for everybody. I'm never going to back down, he said. This is the second high-profile seditionist calling for things to be made public. Okay. The other was Alex Jones, who insisted that his testimony to the House committee, of which he received a subpoena last week, must be in front of the public, must be a public hearing. And I see a lot of people on social media calling for public hearings and for all these documents to be released and for things to be shouted from the rooftops. Let's take Chris Ray, for example. You know, I'm wondering, is it possible that Ray went to the Pentagon, the DHS, the Secret Service and the sergeant in arms about violence on January 6th, potential violence, but ran into Chris Miller and Kosh Patel and Ezra Cohen Watnick, Chad Wolf and a Trump loyal Secret Service and Paul Irving. You know, these are all installed loyalists to Trump. And I've asked this before, you know, but when everyone is corrupt, like who do you tell? And also, incidentally, if. Bannon and Jones are pushing for public documents and public testimony. There's a reason for it. And perhaps you shouldn't be calling for it. Not you, Dana, personally, but you shouldn't be asking for that. No, I was just going to ask you, uh, and unless I'm missing it and I could be, it's a Monday. What would the reason like a reason be for them to let everything be public? To destroy potential future criminal investigations, make prosecutions extremely difficult. Ah, got it. I was like, mm -hmm. what in the hell? That to give a heads sense. up to, to people who are being investigated and what for. There might be information in those documents pertaining to communications between Trump and Bannon. And then by making those public, Trump would know what communications the ah. Department of Justice or the 1-6 committee has and would be able to either destroy those communications or mount a defense. It would give them an advantage. Got it. Over prosecutors. That makes sense. Thank you. I knew you would have an answer because every once in a while, I'm just one step, be one step behind on a Monday. This next story, this is a, another former Trump supporter. Actually, he's still a, a present Trump supporter. Former Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. He has embraced his position as the hero, just a hero to QAnon conspiracy theorists. So if you've been following, he took the QAnon oath. He sold QAnon t-shirts. He even auctioned off a QAnon quilt. Oh, cool, good. I know, QAnon who's got quilt. so much time on their hands? He appeared at a QAnon convention, and he signed books with a QAnon slogan. Some QAnon followers even believe that Flynn is actually Q, the mysterious figure behind QAnon. But a recording released late Saturday night this past weekend by a one-time Flynn ally suggests the retired three-star general, privately, believes QAnon to be total nonsense, <laughs> which I'm sure is the fucking truth. Mm. On Saturday night, pro-Trump lawyer and QAnon booster Lynn Wood, just a fantastic fantastic human, released a recording of, this is amazing because this is like Lord of the Flies. They're eating their own, which is a beautiful thing to watch. So Lynn Wood is the one that released a recording of what purports to be a phone call between Wood and Flynn on Telegram. Now that says, you know, that crazy right side uh, social media platform. The audio's publication comes amid a right-wing civil war pitting Wood against one-time allies like Flynn. 
and other figures involved in the 2020 attempt to overturn the election. Now, if you're starting to get confused, it is because, yes, all of these people are supposed to be on the same side. (laughs) Now, in the call, Wood complains. Wood complains to Flynn that his QAnon supporters had attacked Wood online. But Flynn attempts to disown QAnon, claiming it's a disinformation campaign created by the CIA. Okay. Which is a crazy statement, first of all. (laughs) And this is a quote. I think it's a disinformation campaign, Flynn said, on the call. I think it's a disinformation campaign that the CIA created. That's what I believe. Now, I don't know that for a fact, but that's what I think it is. I think it's a disinformation campaign. Now, later in the recording... Flynn called QAnon total nonsense. He said, I find it total nonsense. And he said, I think it's a disinformation campaign created by the left. So now it went from the CIA to the left. left. It's really hard to follow these guys. (laughs) Now in the call, Flynn promises to send Wood an article about QAnon's failure to come true. Now, based on text messages from Flynn and Wood, also published on his Telegram account, the article Flynn referenced on the call was a November 2nd article by white supremacist radio host Hal Turner that endorsed the ideas of mass violence. So in the blog post that Flynn apparently cited, Turner ridicules QAnon believers who traveled to Dallas believing that John F. Kennedy Jr. would appear. (laughs) Yes, I know. Turner wrote that Trump supporters would repeatedly look like fools until something like a mass slaughter happens. Mm. Writing that JFK Jr.'s debacle was caused because people were, quote, too cowardly to stand up, pick up guns, and go kill the people. Turner falsely claimed stole the election. Now, FBI, uh, if you're listening, and there's a good chance you are because it's Allison Gill's podcast, I'd like for you to pay more attention to this story, please. Okay, Flynn's private disavowal of QAnon would mark a blow to the conspiracy theory movement, for sure, which claims the world is run by a cabal of cannibal pedophiles. You heard me. That, yeah, I know. That, that can, I feel like this is a weird Mad Lib. They were like, give me a noun. Okay, cannibal <laughs> pedophiles. Give me a different noun. Okay. That can only be defeated. They think these p- cannibal pedophiles can only be defeated by a Trump world stars, by Trump world stars like Flynn. Okay? Now, in May, Flynn was feated as a hero at a QAnon convention in Dallas where he endorsed the idea of Myanmar style, like the Myanmar style coup in the United States. So this whole story is just crazy pants all the way around, but they really are starting to turn on each other. They are. And I I really have to read this tweet by Jeremy Newberger on Twitter. Oh, this is so good. He said, so let me get this straight. Trump loves Kyle Rittenhouse, who hates Lynn Wood, who loves Trump, who loves Michael Flynn, who hates Lynn Wood, who hates Kyle Rittenhouse, who loves Michael Flynn, who hates Trump. Do I have that right? (laughs) I, I mean, it's hard to follow, but that's exact. I think that's right. I think that's right. It's all it's all exactly right. And now something else the Department of Justice did right. And and it's having we're seeing the impact now of the ban and indictment. Ali Alexander, one of the main organizers of the Stop the Steal rally on January 6th that preceded the Capitol riot, has announced he will comply with a congressional subpoena over his role in the attempted insurrection. In a video posted on Telegram on Saturday evening, Alexander appeared on camera for the first time in months, saying he will be privately deposed in December while adding that he doesn't plan on fighting the subpoena because he doesn't, quote, have money to spend on legal bills. The only reason, he says, I'm going is because I don't want to go to jail. So under the threat of imprisonment and spending tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars on lawyers, I will be privately deposed before this committee in December, he said. Following Steve Bannon's indictment in early November, Alexander spun himself into a tizzy 
making the case that one must live life accepting that you will die, quote unquote. (laughs) Speaking in the third person, Alexander added in his Saturday Telegram post he would not be backing down from the congressional committee that he claims is attempting to imprison him. Alexander did not return a Daily Beast request for comment on Saturday night. And that's the importance of the Department of Justice's decision to indict Bannon, because now you've got people who are like, I can't go to jail. I don't have tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars. I'm honestly surprised Ali Alexander isn't already arrested. I agree with you. I'm also surprised, though, that someone's not funding his uh, defense against the subpoenas, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. Hmm. We the last story in this segment. On Sunday, the editorial board of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, they called on the U.S. Senate ethics panel to investigate who? Senator Josh Hawley over any possible involvement he may have had in the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. I hope this happens. Holly, whose political future will be haunted by a photo of him giving a raised fist to insurrectionists, we all saw it, as they stormed the halls of Congress, has been excoriated, (laughs) excuse me, everyone, by by the paper's editors multiple times. But Sunday's... (laughs) Now I have the giggles, AG. But Sunday's call for an investigation ramps up their attacks on the home state senator. So according to the board, this is a quote, 10 months after a group of Senate Democrats lodged ethics complaints into the conduct of Republican senators, Josh Hawley of Missouri and Ted Cruz of Texas regarding their roles in sparking the January 6th attack on the Capitol, the Senate Ethics Committee has shown no sign of movement. With the editor saying, It's long past time to take a hard look at both Republican senators. I agree. Mm. And another quote, January 6th wasn't a fantasy, it was real. And the culpability of these two senators must be determined, they wrote. Now, Hawley and Cruz were the only two senators to object to the certification of Joe Biden's clear victory in 2020 election results, citing, with zero evidence, supposed concerns about the election's integrity. That was the same baseless toxic nonsense then President Donald Trump had been spewing since before the election. Such talk whipped up the mob of Trump loyalists to attack the Capitol on January 6th. Again, this is from, this is actually from the editorial board, okay? Now, they added, even after the violence, he persisted in voting with just five other senators to continue promoting Trump's big lie that Biden's win was illegitimate. The editors continued on. If he had an ounce of honor, He'd have heeded our January 7th call for his resignation. We certainly weren't alone on that. But at this point, why even talk about honor? I mean, they're going after him. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Writing that, quote, just because there's a mechanism in place allowing senators to object to election results doesn't mean it's okay for Halley to abuse that process for crass political gain. The editorial concluded, Halley and Cruz have the right to defend themselves from the allegations. But so far, they haven't had to. The Ethics Committee should stop sitting on this. And they are absolutely right. You know, I'm tired of this, like, false threats from stuff like this and being like, oh, they're going to be investigated and then nothing happens. And I'm sure our listeners are also exhausted by this. Yeah, well, ethics committees, select committees, congressional inquiries. The Senate had a committee looking into this and then they stopped because everything went to the January 6th committee. True. It's not going to really result in anything unless criminal referrals are made to the Department of Justice. And I don't know what crime Holly committed. If he conspired with the White House to, to be part of the delay to allow the attackers to, to, you know, ascend on the Capitol, maybe. Sure. But, you know, as they point out in this editorial, senators have every right to object to the certification of electoral votes. Democrats have done it in the past. However, doing it for a corrupt purpose And if there's any other actual crimes that were committed, 
in the furtherance of that objection, that is something that needs to be looked into. I still want a special prosecutor for all of this. And I'll talk to David Rothkopf about that. He's the host of Deep State Radio. We're going to do that after this break. We're going to discuss the pace at which the Department of Justice is or isn't investigating the leaders of the insurrection. So you want to stick around for that. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for The Beans, wishing you a happy holidays. Finding the right gifts for everyone can make it a stressful time. Uh, But if you've got any coffee drinkers on your holiday shopping list like I do, and I bet you do too, they're going to love opening a coffee sampler from Beanbox. I love my new Beanbox routine. It's fun getting to open a new box and find a flight of unique and amazing coffees I would never get to taste otherwise. I love trying the variety of different roasts, and it's all such high quality across the board, and freshness is guaranteed. Every Beanbox order is roasted fresh and delivered at peak flavor, and best of all, you support small roasters with every sip. Beanbox sources all their coffee from some of the best artisan roasters in the United States for the coffee that you love on your list. There's no better way to say happy holidays than with Beanbox. They'll get an endless variety and get to explore award-winning coffees handpicked by Beanbox's resident coffee expert. Try the Deluxe Coffee and Biscotti Tasting Box. That's eight gourmet coffees paired with dunkable handmade biscotti. Or the World Coffee Tour Box, a globetrotting trip through 16 of the world's best micro-lot coffees. Give the coffee fanatic in your life the unforgettable coffee testing experience with Beanbox. Order today at beanbox.com dailybeans20 and you'll get 20% off your purchase of $40 or more. That's 20% off purchases of $40 or more with promo code DAILYBEANS20 at beanbox.com slash dailybeans20. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm happy today to be joined by the host of Deep State Radio. Please welcome David Rothkopf. Hi, David. How are you? Good. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, I hope you had a great holiday weekend. I, I, had, a, I had a wonderful dinner with friends, so I hope that you also had, had a good holiday. We had a great one. Awesome. Awesome. I wanted to bring you on today because your new piece that just dropped this weekend for the Daily Beast is, I think, something very important that, you know, we all need to talk about. And you open it up saying the Department of Justice announced this week it would crack down on airline passengers who throw tantrums. And you and I sort of had the same internal response to this. You took it to the Daily Beast. You wrote a piece. I know you reached out and uh, asked me for some input, which I happily gave. But my first thought was, you know, yes, airline safety is important. But as you say here, if he would only get around to doing something about people who plot to overthrow the government (laughs) and a former president who serially obstructed justice and abused power, we might be getting someplace. And that was kind of my my first initial thought, too. So can you talk a little bit about, I mean, was that sort of what prompted you to write this article and and reach out to Littman, Barb McQuaid and myself? Uh, It was Beneath the surface, I've, I'm like you and anybody else who's paying attention. I've been interested in when and how a new Department of Justice, not the Bill Barr Department of Justice, but the Merrick Garland Department of Justice, was going to deal with the threats to our democracy that were apparent throughout the last administration, whether it was the issues brought up by Mueller, the obstruction of justice issues, or whether it was the issues brought up in the impeachment hearings, or whether it's issues we know, uh, which, by the way, carry crimes with them, like election law crimes, or whether it's the issues uh, that we we know that, for example, Michael Cohen went to jail for, or it's January 6th and the issues associated with January 6th. And I've been waiting and waiting just like everybody else. And so far, in terms of Trump and his inner circle, there's no apparent movement. Now, apparent, as some people pointed out in Twitter when I was writing about this, carries a lot of weight. Maybe there's a lot of movement behind the scenes. But this situation is different. We can talk about this more if you like. 
but because there's a time clock on it. You know, it's it and and there's several time clocks. One, the longer it goes without countering Trump and and his group, uh, the the more momentum the big lie gets, and that's corrosive. It's not just it's not just a you know sort of political buzz, but it leads to changes in the law across the country, and it em- emboldens this this movement that they can do whatever they want, and that the rule the way Trump played the game was okay. Then on top of it. You've got uh, a, an election coming in in uh, a year, less than a year, and if the Republicans take back the House or the Senate, there will be no consequences for Trump. If they can block it, they will harass and they will, of course, end the January sixth investigation if they take back the House. And then, of course, you know, you get closer to twenty twenty four, and some people are saying this is going to take several years. And you got a different problem, which is the Justice Department doesn't like getting involved. And if Trump's a candidate, and one of the reasons I think he wants to say he's a candidate is that it takes any legal case against him and it politicizes it. And so then you've got that problem on top of it. So, you know, in the best of all possible worlds, justice takes its course, does it exactly, you know, as it should, takes extra time because it's extra important, but doesn't have extra time. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. Yeah. And, you know, I I myself am worried more about 2024 than 2022, mostly because, as we both know, the January 6th committee cannot bring prosecution, can't bring criminal charges against it. And now they can make criminal referrals to the Department of Justice. But I imagine some sort of scenario in my head where if we get to the point where we're close to the midterm elections and, and let's say, God forbid, we lose the House in that you know, the couple of lame duck months, I imagine the committee would then start making all of its referrals to the Department of Justice, who then should, if they haven't already taken over or started or opened a criminal investigation into the leaders of the insurrection. Now, we we do know from reporting that Roger Stone, for example, was being investigated by the feds for his role. We've heard that back in February, but everything's been so tight lipped. And, you know, the problem becomes you know, when when Merrick Garland testified recently, the second second testimony he gave in as many weeks to the House Judiciary or was it the Senate Judiciary? One of one of the two. And he he said, you know, hey, the inspector general is investigating at least the former officials, Trump officials at the Department of Justice, and I will take whatever recommendations they send my way. And as we know, inspectors general can run criminal investigations and make criminal referrals. But that investigation started on January 25th. And we haven't seen or heard any about any report, not that we would, but, you know, it's it's like, OK, and that would, you know, sort of open up an investigation potentially into Trump or some of the others that that led the insurrection. But, you know, the the issue becomes how, like you said, when do we start worrying about how much time it's taking? Because we have on one hand something that, like you said, has to be slow and methodical and correct, because if we lose this case, we're toast. If he does bring criminal charges and we lose, we're we're just toast. But also we're at a this is I think I mean, this is like a first in our in our history. And so it's extremely important. So I've been sort of trying to walk that line of pushing back on people just, you know, outright bashing the institution and also you know, having taking issue, you know, I wrote a whole thread about why haven't they charged obstruction of justice. And I'm hoping my hope beyond hope is it's because the 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 USDC attorney just got there 
what November fifth, I think he 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 finally got the job, and it was within a week of him getting there that they indicted Bannon. But you bring up Bannon in your article too. Let's talk a little bit about that. What your what your thoughts are on? I mean, you know, he did the Department of Justice did indict Bannon for criminal contempt, but they're still waiting on Meadows and and some of the other folks. Well, and also they took a long time to indict Bannon. You know, I mean, I I understand what people say. Well, well relative to relative to what though? Well, relative to the fact that all the evidence was there and it was apparent he was he was in contempt of Congress. He has no right. There, the, he has no defense to not provide testimony or appear before the Congress. Executive privilege doesn't pertain to him. Executive privilege doesn't pertain to the president of the United States. I mean, the former president, Donald Trump, because the current president said it doesn't. And that's the way that works. So, he had no, you, know, you know, what were they waiting for? The appearance of the passage of time? Well, that's what I talked to Joyce Vance and Barb McQuaid about. And they said, look, you got to prepare for the trial. You have to prepare for the the defense, whatever it is, even if it's incorrect and meaningless. And, you know, I think myself included, people were pointing to the fact that the last time we did this was 1983 and they indicted in eight days, but they lost. They lost the case. Well, yeah. okay. I mean, I accept that and prepare for the trial. The evidence, however, is that this Justice Department seems to be bending over backwards in ways that are slightly uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. You mentioned the E. Jean Carroll case, mm-hmm. where they said, we're going to take the side of the former president and his argument that defaming E. Jean Carroll in her accusation of, of rape against him was within his official duties, which is absurd on its face. But there is this institutionalist thing, and we want to protect the powers of the president, apparently, you know, Garland does. We see the Durham investigation, which is highly political, absurd in some respects, and it is being continued. The, the Justice Department is continuing to fund this investigation. And so we have the possibility, as I mentioned in the article, that we will prosecute the people who wrote the dossier or were involved in the dossier in some way, but not the the president or those around him who actually did the much more serious wrongs involved in this thing. And, uh, you know, in terms of the investigation of January 6th, while a bunch of people have been charged, what have we seen there? Well, we've seen that the, the, the sentences and the, that they seek for them are, are relatively mild. We don't see a lot of evidence of of prosecution of the higher-ups or investigation of the higher-ups. And today, on one of the Sunday shows, Representative Adam Schiff said that he sees no evidence of a Justice Department investigation. In fact, he was a little more affirmative even than that. He said there is no Justice Department investigation into the planners of this. Well, he would seem to be in a position to know, and he's a credible guy. He, you know, Adam Schiff is anything but a hot-headed guy. And so all of these things troubled me. And then, of course, you and I both bear the scars of our hopes for the Mueller investigation. Yes, indeed. Indeed. And, you know, when Merrick Garland had testified that he was waiting for the inspector general recommendations, it occurred to me, and it had occurred to me previously, that perhaps he was waiting for a referral from either the January 6th committee or the inspector general to to take an additional step of insulating himself from seeming political. 
But, you know, I mean, at, at what point does it even matter? Because we know that the Republicans and the leaders of the insurrection are going to make it political regardless of how much due process goes into the investigation. Do you know? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you can't make a conspiracy involving the leaders of a political party for a political purpose unpolitical. It, it's political. And, and if you say you don't want to do it politically, well, all of a sudden, we are creating a second bubble of impenetrability around the president of the United States, because we already have this absurd Office of Legal Counsel conclusion that presidents can't be prosecuted, which doesn't hold up under any kind of scrutiny of the Constitution. And now you're saying, oh, well, we can't go after presidents who do wrong things or members of the party who are guilty of wrongdoing because it might be perceived as being political. So that's essentially license for political parties to go and do whatever they want. Yeah. And I have a couple more questions for you, David, particularly about some comparisons to Watergate and some other things that you said in your piece. But I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Of course. Thanks. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG. And this portion of the beans is brought to you by Scribd. Have you ever spent hours browsing for new entertainment before just giving up? <laughs> There's too many choices. It's infinite. I know it's not technically infinite, but it seems like it is. I used to constantly struggle to pick up my next book or movie or audiobook or podcast. But with Scribd, I get thoughtfully curated editor's picks and smart recommendations based on what I've read, which makes choosing my next book quicker and easier than ever. With Scribd, you get instant access to millions of ebooks, court documents, audiobooks, dissertations, magazines, and more, all with one low monthly subscription. It is the ultimate reading subscription service, letting you explore all of your interests in any format you choose for just $9.99 a month. That's less than the cost of a single book. I love using their service. I get to discover must-read new work from celebrated authors premiering exclusively on Scribd, like Roxanne Gay. And when I want to change things up, I'm free to switch between titles, genres, and formats anytime on my phone, tablet, or computer, wherever I'm reading. And right now we're offering listeners of this program a free 60-day trial. Go to try.scribd.com slash AG for your free trial. That's try.scribd, S-C-R-I-B-D, dot com slash AG to get 60 days of Scribd for free. And today's show is also brought to you by Wealthfront. A lot of investment apps make it easy to start trading, but then they just sort of let you hang out there in the wind because maybe you don't know what you're doing. And that's why I love Wealthfront. It makes them different. They make it easy to invest and they make it easy to get smarter about it. Start with Wealthfront's classic portfolio. Or make it your own with socially responsible funds, crypto trusts, and hundreds of other investments. Either way, they'll set you up in minutes with a portfolio you can count on for the long term. Wealthfront was designed by financial experts to help turn your good ideas into great investments without the hassle of doing everything yourself. You're protected from unnecessary risk because your portfolio is diversified across asset classes. And if you don't want to spend hundreds of hours trying to lower your tax bill, they help you do that. And if you're not sure how to rebalance your portfolio, or if you're like me and you don't know what that means... They do it automatically. Wealthfront is trusted with over $27 billion in assets, helping nearly half a million people build their wealth. Get your first $5,000 managed for free at Wealthfront.com slash Daily Beans. It takes just minutes to start building your wealth. Visit Wealthfront.com slash Daily Beans. That's Wealthfront, F-R-O-N-T dot com slash Daily Beans. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking with a host of Deep State Radio, David Rothkopf, about his new piece in The Daily Beast about the slowness with which, if any, investigations are happening in the Department of Justice. And as you brought up, Adam Schiff was on the Sunday morning shows today saying it's not happening. And we know that Chris Ray had testified that, that uh, Trump was not under investigation at the time that he was questioned. So I wanted to ask about Watergate, because I'm, I'm wondering if back then, when because things took a while back then as well, the prosecutions took a while back then as well, 
if there was the same kind of feeling and and I mean, I, I understand and I, you know, we both know Watergate is nothing compared to, to what happened on January 6th and everything leading up to it, the big lie and the coup attempt. But I'm wondering if this kind of there was this sort of push back in, in, in the day as well, because then they had public hearings in the Senate and that seemed to alleviate or assuage concerns, didn't it? They had public hearings. They had a special prosecutor. They had journalists who were focused on uncovering things on a regular basis. And yet there was a lot of pressure. Having said that, as you point out, this isn't Watergate. It's much, much worse by any level. You know, it's a coup attempt. It is the first successful effort to uh, impede the peaceful transfer of authority in the United States. And it is associated with serial crimes from this president and the people around him. But here's the other thing. We saw it happen. It happened in front of us on video, on Twitter, in public statements by the president, in public statements by people around them, with Josh Hawley giving thumbs up and, you know, Ted Cruz cheering on the the, the, the people who are going to storm the hill with a rally that led to the events, with funding that we know came from people, including the, the wife of a Supreme Court justice. We, we know all this stuff. With Watergate, there was an effective cover-up, and information came out in dribs and drabs. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, you know, I'm, you know, you got to ask yourself, there's the Durham special prosecutors looking at the dossier? <laughs> right. And there's not one looking at the coup attempt or the serial obstruction of justice or the tax fraud or uh, the, the violations of federal election laws or, you know, and we're not even talking about Georgia. We're not even talking about, you know, the, the, the meddling of the president in individual election outcomes around the country. You know, it's 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 troublesome. Now. Any day now. Merrick Garland or some U.S. attorney someplace can go and appear in front of a camera and say, you know, to use the analogy that Barb McQuaid used in a tweet to me about this today, you know, the, the even though the duck didn't appear to be moving on the surface of the water, it was paddling furiously, and we've now got our case made, and we are indicting the president or Mark Meadows or Steve Bannon or, you know, Anybody, you know, Clarence, <laughs> Clarence Thomas's wife. Right. right. And, you know, OK. And, and all of this will, you know, potentially be reduced unless it's too late, unless it's too narrow, unless what they seek is not a serious enough penalty. And unless it is so close to the next election that, you know, if a Republican wins, they just undo the whole thing. Yeah. Now, I'm I'm actually honestly surprised that Trump isn't already running or hasn't filed. I mean, he filed to run for, you know, 2020, the day he you know was inaugurated to just, you know, to raise money for campaign funds and to try to insulate himself from from prosecutions. But you brought up special prosecutor and I wanted to ask you about this because I have been asking for a special prosecutor in the insurrection case for a, a while now. And I have many reasons that I want a special prosecutor. And I know a lot of people are disillusioned by what happened with the Mueller special prosecutor, but he was up against Rod Rosenstein, Trump and Barr and a, and a, a super corrupt Department of Justice. Andy McCabe pushed for Mueller to be special prosecutor. 
And had he not done that, we wouldn't have the beautiful obstruction of justice information laid out perfectly and, you know, that is on a silver platter that should be indicted by the D.C. U.S. attorney. So I'm, I'm glad he did that. But the main reason I want one in this particular case is because it, let's say the Department of Justice doesn't investigate. They don't have to tell us, you know, because I'm the, the big question here is when do we start getting angry about this? But the Department of Justice doesn't have to tell us that they've declined to prosecute somebody or that they've declined to investigate somebody. But a special prosecutor by the, you know, the U.S. code section that allows for the authority to appoint a special prosecutor has to explain their declinations in a report. And if anybody in the Department of Justice, like Merrick Garland or Lisa Monaco or Benita Gupta, put a put the kibosh on any particular investigation or indictment, they have to report that to Congress. We 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 get to know about it. And that's why I think a special prosecutor is so important. And I think what I've been saying and what my worry is, is that Garland waits for the inspector general. Garland waits for the January 6th committee. We get past 2022. We lose the House. Somebody makes criminal referrals. Then he appoints a special prosecutor to look into the insurrection two years after it happened or a year and a half after it happened. And that's kind of where, you know, where my concern is. So close to the end of next year is way too late. Right now might be too early. So the question remains, when in between now and then do we start assuming that they just aren't going to do anything and get really angry about it? Well, I think that's, you know, one of the questions that I asked. And I think, you know, people have every reason to be angry now because, you know, something egregiously bad happened. Actually, a series of things happened from 2016 through more recently. And so far, there have been no consequences for the president or for the people around the president. And it appears that in the United States system, that the president is above the law. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every time he commits a crime, the former president commits a crime and is not prosecuted, there's a precedent. There's somebody, you know, and his support, you know, 68 percent of the Republican Party don't think Biden won the election. You know, I mean, that's insane. Well, why is it such a high number? Well, one of the reasons it's such a high number is the people who've been lying about this election have been given free reign to do whatever they wanted for months and months and months and never be challenged for their efforts to manipulate the election results. And I think that's the other side of this. It's not just this these cases. It's the threat that these people pose to democracy going forward. And they are going into this thing unchecked. And I got to tell you, I got a lot of friends. You got a lot of friends. People who follow us on Twitter people who listen to our podcasts or read columns that we write will say, that's why voting rights reform and filibuster reform is so essential. But I got some news for you. It's not going to happen. There isn't going to be filibuster reform and there is not going to be a voting rights law because there are not enough people in the Senate to support it. And if it doesn't happen, then the only avenue we have to protect our democracy is the courts. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, I've said a million times that if the Department of Justice does not investigate or prosecute Mueller obstruction of justice or does not investigate and prosecute the leaders of the insurrection, that is a clear dereliction of duty. And it will it will send the message, the precedent, it will set the precedent that the that a president is above the law and can obstruct justice and can attempt a coup without any consequences. And so, you know, to to be clear about where I stand with, because, you know, I did a whole thread. I think you linked to it in your article 
about, I, you know, I think that there's a, a disinformation op against against institutions in this country. There's a, a clear line between having issues with this Department of Justice, having it taking issue with the fact they didn't release the 2019 March Bill Barr memo, that they didn't that they decided to defend Trump in the E. Jean Carroll defamation case. Those are legitimate criticism that it's taking so long to to either give us any hints about there being an investigation, although I understand that that can jeopardize investigations. And there's so the line between that kind of criticism and a line between just flat out completely hammer bashing the Department of Justice by saying Merrick Garland is on is defending he's on Trump's side. He's he's corrupt. He's a federalist. He's you know, he's he's needs to be immediately fired and et cetera, et cetera. And so I just wanted to kind of make draw that clear line between two different kinds of criticism of the Department of Justice, because I, I agree with yours. And I have had long talks with, again, friends of mine who've worked for the Justice Department or who are former federal prosecutors who who we've been struggling with. When do we start getting pissed? When do we start getting angry? And how do we do it constructively so that we aren't participating in what the GOP wants, which is to tear down, to continue to discredit these institutions that started under Trump? Yeah. By the way, the reason I linked to your thread, besides its fact that it was cogent, and I think it was right, was that you really make the case fairly compellingly that there's a campaign out there to use this as a way to further weaken institutions. And that there you know, may, in fact, be foreign involvement in that campaign. We have to walk the fine line on this kind of thing. Merrick Garland is a man of very high repute. Uh, there is no evidence that he is doing anything wrong or you know, a secret plant of the Federalist Society. Uh, and all those tweets and you know, that stuff's nonsense. But mm-hmm. he may be too cautious. He may be too slow. He may be treating this like there is no clock ticking and that the other side will not play unfairly. He may be treating it as though the stakes were lower than they actually are and there are not other exigent circumstances. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say he should cut corners, but it is to say that whether it's a special prosecutor, a special counsel, or putting twice as many people on the case, or being a little bit more public about the effort that's going into this thing. There are things that could be done that could move it along more quickly. And if those things are not being done, and if this stuff doesn't happen, it won't matter that we're angry because we will have lost something that we're not going to get back. Yeah, true. And and there's a perfect example of this extreme caution that he was potentially, and I heard this from insiders at the DOJ, that they were waiting to indict Bannon, possibly until the D.C. U.S. attorney got there, but also waiting for a decision in the National Archives case with Judge Chutkin, who, who decided that the, the January 6th committee does have a legislative purpose. And that kind of extreme T-crossing and I-dotting, and I had tweeted it out, is at the detriment and undermines the work of the January 6th committee. Well, how long was Susan McDougal in jail? Well, she was civil contempt, right? That's different. Well, I, I understand, but she was in months. jail for like eight, 18 months or something like that. And what did they do with Bannon? Mm-hmm. They said, hey, go on home, continue to be out there, continue to be a rabble rouser. You will have n- effectively no penalty for doing this. Yeah. And well, he's so, not a know, flight risk because he's he's feeding off this. He's going to stay and 
do everything he can to right. raise as much he's money a, as he can off this. The, the, the risk with Bannon is that he doesn't flee. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, he left. He went to Saudi Arabia in the middle of the night. Bummer. <laughs> yeah, right. Let any, anywhere, anybody listening to this in another country, take him. <laughs> it's yours. Please feel free. Bannon, don't, don't turn over your passport. Get the fuck out. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, everybody. Please follow David Rothkopf, DJ Rothkopf on Twitter. Check out Deep State Radio. Absolutely incredible show. And and check out this new article in the Daily Beast. I've I've retweeted it and he and you've you've tweeted it out on on your feed as well. I, I appreciate your time today. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. Yep, we'll talk soon. Everybody stick around. We'll be back with the good news. Hey everybody, it's AG with the beans. Did you know that women are at higher risk of poor sleep quality and sleep deprivation due to hormonal changes that disrupt the circadian rhythm, which negatively impacts your overall health? I do. <laughs> and this can lead to hot flashes and night sweats in up to 85% of women. I'm, I'm in that group. And that can make sleep seem impossible. It does. And even if you put the cell phone down and turn your lights off, your body still needs one final trigger to let it know we can sleep now. And that trigger is a decrease in body temperature, which hacks your primal response and convinces your body it's time for bed. This is where Chili Sleep comes to the rescue. Chili Sleep makes the Uller and Cube sleep systems, customizable hydropowered temperature-controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide your ideal sleep temperature. These luxury mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or cold. Women involved in the Wake Forest Menopause Study say Chili Sleep's bedding products made significant changes in their sleep patterns and sleep ability. 57% saw a decrease in severity of hot flashes. I, You know, I've had trouble falling asleep for as long as I can remember but I've already been sleeping so much better since I started using Chili Sleep. So head over to chilisleep.com slash beans to learn more and check out a special offer available exclusively for Daily Beans listeners and only for a limited time. That's chili, C-H-I-L-I sleep.com slash beans to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every day. And today's show is also brought to you by Upstart. When you're carrying a credit balance with high interest rates month after month, it can feel like you're trapped in a never-ending cycle of debt because you make the minimum payments, but the the total never goes down, but Upstart can help you make that final payment so you can get ahead. With Upstart, you can pay off existing debt quickly and easily and start living your life again. It's easy to pay off your debt with an online personal loan from Upstart. Over a million people have used Upstart to do the same, to just do this. They consolidate high interest debt, pay off credit cards, or even fund personal expenses because they get one fixed monthly low payment. Upstart looks beyond your credit score. You're more than just a number to Upstart. And they, they find you a better loan rate uh, consider, you know, with their very trusted partners. Can they consider other factors like your income, your employment, your employment history and your credit history? And you can check your rate without impacting your credit score. It's a soft pull and you can check it in minutes to see if you can get a lower rate than what you're paying. And that's for loans between one to $50,000. And if you're approved, you can receive your funds in as fast as one business day. Find out how Upstart can help you lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. That's upstart.com slash daily beans. And please use our URL to let them know we sent you. Your loan amount will be determined based on your credit income and other certain information provided in your loan application. That's upstart.com slash daily beans. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll blow it on good news. It's all the way. All right, let's hear this. I'm excited for today's good news. I want to hear everybody's stories and what they're thankful for. And I want to see some photos. I think it's going to be great. This first one is killing me, Dana, this picture. I know. It's from an anonymous pronoun she and her. And she writes, hi, AG and DG. Honest confession. I sometimes have to listen to an episode twice simply because I think I missed a part and I need to know what happened. (laughs) 
a non-correction. I grew up in Wisconsin and you indeed said Waukesha correctly. Waukesha, Waukesha. Correctly. Bravo. I don't know which one is correct, but thank you. That's hilarious that we don't remember how we said it. (laughs) What I'm grateful for, she continues, among many things this year, which include expecting our second baby in April of 2022. Congratulations. Receiving a huge, well-deserved promotion. Awesome. Purchasing a second car. Sweet. The thing I'm most grateful for is finally having real answers from my past and biological parents. Wow. I bounced around the foster care system for many years in my teens. And while that sounds terrifying, and it was, I actually turned out normal. I'm happy to finally be on the road of peace with how everything went down. That's amazing. Love you, ladies. Keep up the amazing work. And of course, have a lovely Thanksgiving. This is our son as Captain America this Halloween. Yes, it is. I love the costumes that give like fake muscles and abs to kids. I think it's the (laughs) cutest thing ever. So cute. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for that. And congrats on all that good news. That's amazing. I know. Awesome. Kick off to the good news segment. All right. This is from Michelle, pronouns she and her. Hello, Allison and Dana. I wrote you back in August about my first time campaign for local government, and today I'm writing with a campaign update. (laughs) As an avid listener of the show, I couldn't sit by and do nothing when I saw we needed some pretty serious changes around here. I'm so thrilled to share that I won my campaign and I'll be serving on our city council for the next four years. Yes. Best of all, two other challenger candidates whom I ran with also won their races. That's awesome. Together, we'll be working to bring affordable housing, alternative transportation, sidewalks and bike lanes, a diversity council and more. I know the changes won't all happen immediately, but they're coming and I'm thrilled to be a part of it, especially in light on this infrastructure package, plus the Build Back Better money that will be coming to our community. I never, ever saw myself as a politician. I'm a business owner and a mom. And now I'll learn and I'll grow as a public servant. And who knows? Maybe in the future, I'll take on D.C. Congratulations. Yeah, Michelle. Oh, my God. And two other people won, too. Look at this. I love it. She won. She spanked Phil Mark. Look at this. 54 to 45. Beautiful. Nice job, Michelle. That's amazing. I'm so glad you're there and I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. Uh, Next up from anonymous pronoun she and her, I'm grateful for the ACA, which made it possible for my husband and I to retire early and still afford health insurance. And I'm grateful for the wonderful people and systems at Kaiser Permanente here in Colorado who diagnosed and treated me for breast cancer, stage one, easily treatable, this past summer. I'm terrible about making phone calls and Kaiser made it so that I didn't need to make any from calling me to make an appointment for my checkup where I was told, go downstairs, make a mammogram appointment before you leave through the final radiation treatment. And the ACA meant that we didn't have to empty our retirement accounts to pay for it. I love that. That's wonderful. I am so grateful. I'm so sorry that you had to go through this, but I am so grateful that for the ACA, I know many of us are. All right. This next one's from Julie, pronounced she and her. Now you were asking for Thanksgiving traditions. This one started out on Thanksgiving, but it turned into an every holiday tradition. When I was growing up, my grandmother would create elaborate centerpieces for the table when the family came over for holiday dinners. She would also keep the family out of the dining room until the last minute to build up the suspense. (laughs) They were usually elaborate displays for the holiday, and they changed each year. Now, one year, Thanksgiving was the first family get-together we had had after my grandfather passed away. It was also my first chance to see the family since his passing on account that I was away at college and didn't have any spare money to afford the trip back for the funeral. The family was somewhat sedate but determined to make the best of the day, and Grandma assured us that her table centerpiece would brighten everyone's mood. Come dinner time, we walked into the dining room and everyone just stops in the doorway when they see the table. Apparently, Grandpa 
Apparently, Grandpa's ashes had been delivered that week, and his urn was now decorated for the holiday and placed smack dab in the middle of the table. The silence was deafening. No one could speak until one of my younger cousins spoke up. That's messed up. (laughs) Grandma was shocked. So to lighten the mood, I responded with, well, yeah, Grandpa would have been pissed if my feet, if my feet had been on the table. That's hilarious. Everyone had a good laugh. And I think it broke through some of the somber mood that had been lingering. (laughs) After that, my family took turns dressing up Grandpa's urn for the holidays. Costumes for Halloween, Santa's hats, fake snow for Christmas, eggs eggs and grass for Easter. It felt like a way to include him, though he never made it back to the dinner table since no one's feet should be on the table. We didn't get any pictures of these since it was the time before anyone had a camera in their back pocket. So, since you have also been asking for Halloween pictures, I've included pics of our kids dressed up as the Wizard of Oz for three years in a row. Thank you for everything you do to keep our spirits up in these dark days. That story is hilarious, and these pictures are freaking adorable. Oh my gosh. Okay, so we've got the Scarecrow and Dorothy in 2011. We've got the Cowardly Lion and the Good Witch Glenda in 2012. And we've got the Tin Man and the Wicked Witch of the West. Amazing. In 2013. So good. Or and that's the, the, um, the Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah, I think Wicked the Witch East is the East. one who had the house dropped on it, right? Yeah. That's amazing. Oh my God. That's messed up, dude. Oh my God. That's a great shit kids say right there. Totally. That's messed up. And I love how they decorated it. <laughs> oh my God. I could just imagine walking in. Oh, that's wonderful. Next up from Tom, pronouns he and him. Hi, Dana, Allison, and the rest. Happy holiday pie time. Thanksgiving stories. My mom always made tomato aspic salad. My cousins and I called it tomato arsenic. Oh, shit. (laughs) By the time grandpa was done carving and passing plates of food around the table, everything was cold. I've made the cranberry relish NPR recipe many times for family and work potlucks. It's excellent on turkey. One time my mom dropped the turkey on the floor. Only she and I knew. (laughs) Oh, my God. Finally, this is Stella, the rescued Yorkie, curled on the back of her couch in her favorite spot, like a cat, but she is very much a dog. Take care, and thank you for helping me pull through this last year. Oh, my goodness. Oh, there's the cranberry relish. Oh, that's hysterical. The NPR relish. Thank you so much, Tom. Indeed. All right, this is from Roberta, no pronouns given. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm grateful for old friends from high school. How old? Well, we all enrolled in Medicare this year. (laughs) We've been getting together over Zoom throughout the pandemic for laughs and tears and conversation. Last week, we gathered via Zoom and made these sock puppets to be donated to Children's Hospital. God, there's some good people in this world. And yesterday, these eight puppies were rescued from a busy highway by construction workers and brought to the animal rescue where I do volunteer transport. They will be cared for and loved and adopted. So grateful we have a chance to save them. So am I. Thank you for what you do. And you know what? Roberta, thank you for what you do. Yes. Look at these sock puppets are awesome. And look at these goddamn puppies. That's like a pile. I have to ask Roberta, do you ever just like when you get a when you get a case of puppies, a case of puppies, when you get when you get a deliver multiple puppies, do you just like get on the floor and just let them pile onto you? Do you do puppy pile stuff? Because I sure hope so. Like that would be, I would, I would buy a Papa San chair just for puppy piles. That's uh, how yeah. into it I would be. And, and how cool would it be? Like if you could get like the Humane Society to just mobile, bring you a puppy pile, like during the holidays, just puppy piles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that would be great. Now I want pictures of puppy piles. 
I know. Yes. Yeah. Anyone, if you have a puppy pile picture, please send it in or anything. Confessions, corrections, anything you want to send in, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Dana. Yes. Do you have any final thoughts? You know, I just every day uh, during the holiday, I'm just going to wish you a very happy Hanukkah. Mm -hmm. For those of you who celebrate, I do hope you have a magnificent day and night and moments of beauty and light. This really is a season of miracles. So, you know, we just had Thanksgiving. And for those of you that don't celebrate for obvious, understandable reasons from what that holiday came from, you know what? You can convert. Convert for a week. Celebrate Hanukkah with us. Celebrate the miracles. They are there. They are everywhere. Beautiful. Wonderful. Yes, everyone have an incredible Hanukkah. Maybe we'll get eight days of criminal indictments. That'd be oh, great. that would be beautiful. Accountability, rule of law, justice. Ah. And if not, I mean, there's miracle. There's going to be miracles. Anyway. So send us yours. That's Absolutely. what I want to hear about is the next eight nights for you. Oh, seven nights now. Um, time travel is real. <laughs> and I just appreciate and love this community so much. I hope everybody had a wonderful holiday weekend. Until tomorrow, please, everyone, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.